Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> Hey, what's up? This is Sharks Across Hollywood, and this is week three of Halloween, right? We didn't record last week, so everything's all weird to me. Don't let them in on it. This is meta, remember? You're ruining the magic, Andrew. Right out the gate. But hey, guys. Oh, hey, you know what? I never introduce us anymore. I'm Andrew. That's the Rev. Yeah, who cares? What's really important... (laughs) What's really important is the movie we're going to talk about today. I agree. That is what's really important this week. If you're here, you know us, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Um, We're going to talk about this movie that nobody fucking seems to talk about except for, like, three people on the internet. And then us. So five people on the internet. Uh, It's called Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. I keep on wanting to say the story of Leslie Vernon, but it's The Rise of Leslie Vernon. And it should be called Under the Radar because nobody fucking watched this movie when it came out. It's an absolute tragedy. And you've heard of maybe two of these actors. You've seen several of them, but you only know the names of two. Maybe two. I don't fucking know. You definitely know the names of one. We definitely know one. You have absolutely seen the other one, another one in stuff. You definitely saw one of them in one thing when you were a kid. And Well, no. There's another one you most likely saw in in something else. Uh, there's there's some uh, minor horror movie royalty in this movie. Why are we I ta- mean, why are we talking like this? <laughs> I have no fucking idea. Let's just get that, into it. That went off the rails. Hey, behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon. See, I almost called it that again. So. <laughs> And I and I want to keep calling this a found footage movie, but it's not a found footage movie. It is a it's shot. It's a documentary, basically. A documentary crew is following around this guy, and will you'll you'll figure it out as we break into it. But the opening scene is not shot like a documentary. It's shot like a movie. They make a point right at the beginning of the movie of making sure you understand that this is not strictly a found footage movie, and that's important. It becomes very important later. There's there's like two or three transitions from the documentary style to the actual cinematic style it's a little weird on your first watch it might be a little confusing <laughs> but it's not it's it, it it actually threw me the first time i watched it. i'm like wait a minute what the fuck's going on you settle into it i mean quickly. all right like if i'm being critical and i'm going to be critical of this because i love this movie so much like we we've talked nothing but good things about it over the years and it is a really good movie but it does have some glaring issues and i would say that that is probably the first of them in the that the filmmakers really should have committed one way or the other, I think. And they didn't. The cinematic parts where it's like a movie are the weakest parts of the whole movie for sure. Cause there's yeah, no, yeah, they the- needed to, they needed to really commit to it when it came time to commit to that. Like, I don't think it's necessarily bad to have it broken up like that, but I do think it's bad because they didn't go all the way with it. You know, it felt like they were like, all right, well let's dip our toes, but not a hundred percent commit to this cinematic thing. So that maybe, Maybe it could be part of the documentary still. And and then it just feels like, like you said, it's frustrating and confusing. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, We'll get back to this opening scene later. It makes it makes another appearance and we'll 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 break it down at that point. Then it cuts into the actual documentary aspect. We see the documentary team, the crew. There's two camera guys and our main character, whose name is Taylor, who is played by. We don't know how to pronounce her name exactly. I'm calling her Angela Gothels. Gothels. And I think it's Goodles. 
Goodles. Goodles. Either way, you've seen her. She Ex- plays Linny in fucking Home Alone. And if it's if it's Goodles, it's also probably Angela. All right. I she was fucking born in New York, so I don't think that's <laughs> <laughs> She's the sister in Home Alone that calls Kevin Lace in Compétant. That that's her. Even though I did not fucking know that, she looks nothing like that that girl in Home Alone anymore. I know you're right cuz I've seen I've checked IMDb. <laughs> But I cannot reconcile it. Like looking at her, I cannot be like, oh, yes, I see it. Nope, I don't. I don't see it. I don't see it at all. Like I think like thinking really hard. I'm like, oh, maybe the eyes. But even her picture on IMDb, it's like her probably in her 20s as a redhead. Yeah. And it doesn't look anything like she doesn't even look. She looks different from the kid in that picture. And then she looks different from the adult in that picture. So I don't know. Like. It's weird. <laughs> Maybe it's an Avril Lavigne yeah, thing, and they replaced her. Well, I mean, they obviously dyed her hair for the movie, and or she dyed her hair in the picture. I don't know which is what. But based on her skin tones, I'm guessing she is a redhead. Either way, she's cool. She plays a character named Taylor. The big thing about this movie is that it takes place in a universe where Michael Myers, Jason, Chucky, Freddy Krueger are all real, and they all have gone on these killing sprees. So but, that's an interesting but thing. It should be qualified that or rather it it should be clarified they qualify that people only believe that even dreaming about freddy will kill you you know so they're, they they kind of try and ground it a little they don't say like he definitely killed you in your dreams and chucky's a magic doll they kind of try to yeah like you said ground it in some kind of reality i love this as a i, I refer to this as the middle child of meta horror because <laughs> on the one hand you've got scream and on the other hand you've got cabin in the woods and then this kind of falls right smack in the middle and gets forgotten even though it's as it's almost as strong a movie as either of those it's it's not quite up there but it's like just it's just missing like something but not really yeah well i mean and and that's kind of what irritated me on this watch is i started to see all of the things it's missing that i i kind of glazed over the first couple of times i watched it just because conceptually it's so strong and the writing is really good like there's some real problems with the acting not the guy who plays leslie vernon and not the gal who plays taylor but like her cameramen are terrible actors (laughs) like true terrible actors and the teens holy fuck i oh that is so so bad but those shitty teens that's so in keeping with all of those past horror movies i wonder if they did that on purpose that's true if it had just been them i totally could have gotten on board with that but having the cameramen also just be garbage actors like no i'm sorry i can't support that philosophically that guy was funny though he made me laugh yeah he was he was kind of funny but (laughs) the painful badass in that final confrontation when the when the flannel shirted cameraman is facing leslie i love her like Like, since fucking when fuck you (laughs) just fuck you i was also going to say that the other thing that's really wrong here is i guess maybe the uh the scene choreography a lot of those scenes play out very stiff even though what's going on is interesting a lot of the actors don't seem to know what to do with their bodies and the cameramen don't seem to know what to do in order to keep the action flowing in an interesting way you know so i think it's a good example of why you need to pay more attention to how you construct your scenes in terms of choreographing actor movement and camera movement 
moment because a lot of them, they start feeling really stiff upon a rewatch. Yeah, don't pay too much attention to that. Focus more, <laughs> le- less on the acting itself and more on the characters because I do like at least the two main characters and then a few side characters that pop up are really interesting. I do. I love the characters in this movie. I love the concept of this movie. That's the reason that like the criticism to irritate me so much is because I love all the other stuff that's going on in this movie. These So the things that suck, suck so much harder for me. <laughs> Oh yeah, because I, I fucking love the characters. Just because we're looking at it critically now, I'm gonna pay attention to some of the stuff that I don't like. But it's it's a good enough movie to where I can be like, I don't fucking, I don't care. Yeah, I can totally get past it because I'm having so much fun watching the movie. But looking with a critical lens, it feels like having something really nasty stuck between your teeth. But there's a Kane Hodder toothpick. <laughs> what? Uh, I was trying to segue into the Kane Hodder cameo. <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> so Kane Hodder is the metaphorical toothpick yes. that helps you pick out the shit from the Because you get to get to go, hey, holy shit, it's Kane Hodder. Woohoo. <laughs> Who is apparently Freddy Krueger's next door neighbor or neighborhood person. They live in the that same neighborhood. A, that was a nice touch. That was that was pretty good. I like it. I, I, I definitely approve. This movie only came out three years after Freddy versus Jason, you know that? No four, shit. Four years. Three, four years? Fuck did this movie come out? Two thousand six, yeah, yeah, three years. That's weird to think about. Yeah, Freddy versus Jason. Jason in 03. That's right. I was living in my second apartment. Huh. Yeah, that's that's weird. So the the opening of the documentary part is just them kind of going through like what what makes basically trying to figure out what makes these fucking killers tick. And then we meet the important guy. We meet Leslie. So they show up at his house, but he's not there. It looks like it's going to turn into some kind of super scary bit, but it doesn't. We get a fun jump scare moment <laughs> as they're like wandering around the property. Leslie just pops up out of nowhere, scares the shit out of him, and he's this happy go lucky jovial dude who is going to go on a murder spree later he's really pretty perfect for this role i gotta say because he is so charming right off the bat like he just draws you in you feel like you can trust him and then you know like your logical brain is like he's a fucking murderer don't trust him but at the same time you're like but it's him you know you can't help it he's uh played by nathan basil i think is how you pronounce that name and this fucking dude his his career never took off like it should have yeah that bums me out because this guy is super charming he's one of the very few actors i don't really have a problem with in this movie like he's not in law and order but he's in every other one of those shows (laughs) of fucking course he is without a trace woman's murder club numbers journeyman i don't know what that is uh csi the regular csi and csi miami so that's that's this guy should definitely have been a bigger deal than he was especially in the horror community but you know maybe that was his choice i don't know maybe oh he was also prior to this movie he was in a show called cold case so it's (laughs) so Wow, he's got a type, huh? Apparently. So, well, yeah. good for him, a working actor. Right. So we meet him. He gives them a tour of their of the house, and we meet his turtles, and it's kind of weird, and he's like, he's like, oh, I forget to feed them, and these little bastards just won't die. And I'm like, is that weird? I don't think it is. I'm not sure. And he's like, oh, and they're really sweet. You can pet them. It's like, not this one. I lied. You don't, don't put your finger anywhere near him. But you can pet this guy. He's a sweetie. His closing line for that monologue is the best, though. <laughs> I, I only keep <laughs> pets that I can eat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
yeah that was weird and i loved it like, <laughs> and he's so fucking serious about it too so you like yeah like he like he means like that he's shit. he's being so playful and then he just i only keep pets that i can eat he does that a few times in the movie and it's weird and it's creepy every time <laughs> and then we see his library and he has mostly textbooks obviously that are all the boring shit that you're gonna need to murder people efficiently <laughs> well i don't recommend reading gray's anatomy for kicks but he also has books from houdini and david copperfield and shit or whoever the fuck and he does a does a card trick and it's fun and stupid and we're getting to know this guy and he's a fun guy we like him we're not that we don't want to like him but we gotta because we know but at, at this point we might not know we don't know exactly that he's going to end up legitimately killing people well i mean i think we do you know i mean we we obviously we, we know, get the but, premise yeah. of the movie like the first time you watch it you know the premise of the movie you accept that that's what you're about to watch so it i don't think it occurs to you that he's not going to be a killer i think what's really interesting especially on that first watch is wondering what's she going to how is she approaching this you know how how are these characters approaching this guy do they believe he's serious or do they think he's just fucking around and is like a mental case or something uh they sit them down and interview him and he name drops Mike and Chuck and Fred like like their <laughs> old buddies. I love the name drops. The only thing that's kind of annoying is that, well, I guess they, they do reference a couple more obscure horror movies, but they only name drop the super popular slashers. It would have been nice to see some like horror deep cuts come up, but I don't know. At the same time, the horror resurgence of the late 2000s hadn't happened yet. So That's true. So you had to kind of do broad strokes and maybe people would actually fucking pay attention that's the thing that i kind of wonder about is like if they just leaned more into the inside baseball thing would it have worked better in terms of drawing horror fans attention i don't know maybe i don't know who else would they have referenced though i mean they do reference the uh, sorority later on eugene who plays herschel in the walking dead scott wilson yes. who i fucking love easily the best performance in this entire movie like he's such a great actor that it just really serves to show how bad everybody else is by comparison <laughs> like even even nathan Beazle, who plays leslie vernon who is really good like i i reiterate very good casting this guy like like choosing this guy was absolutely the right choice but even he looks a little stilted next to scott wilson like that guy is just a master yeah i really wish their relationship would have been explained a little better i, wa I want to kind of deep dive because i'm curious it's like the doc and marty relationship like how the fuck are they friends <laughs> There's definitely enough enough backstory here to justify like at least a season of American Horror Story or something like that. They end up taking a field trip to his childhood home where he talks about the fact that he needs an anchor for his legend. You know how the legend, you know, Jason has Crystal Lake and Michael Myers has Haddonfield and all that shit. So his legend is that he got murdered by the townsfolk, I guess. They got thrown over a waterfall. And then we'll go, there's a deeper dive into it a little later. Yeah, they just he just kind of brushes over it at first and then the librarian's the one who really fleshes it out. Ooh, the librarian is important. We will get to her. It's pretty cool. And the librarian is the one who I was saying, minor horror royalty. Yeah, yeah, she's she's the one that you definitely would have seen and stuff without knowing her name probably. 
So Taylor asks him a question like, hey, why don't you come forward and claim this house? Because he's supposed to be dead, by the way. Everybody thinks he's dead because he's Leslie Verdon. He doesn't exist now because he died when he was a child. And he's like, well, I can't very well, you know, plan a murder spree or whatever here. I can't. I What, what does he say? I can't, like, show up. He out says, of if the, people think yeah. I'm dead, I can't exactly be seen mowing the lawn. Yes. There you go. Thank you. We hear about the apple orchard and all that shit. The apple orchard will become important later. Don't, don't you worry. And then we dive into some of the tropes of the slasher genre and i just wrote down in my notes cardio (laughs) that is definitely one of the best most memorable bits of this entire movie is leslie vernon's monologue about cardio you have no idea how much cardio i have to do you'll be able to run like a freaking gazelle without getting winded there's that whole thing of making it look like you're walking Everybody else is running the rest, so then I gotta stay with them. I can't imagine Michael Myers just fucking around and doing a bunch of cardio, like running on a treadmill. <laughs> But I in, like, though, that, you, you know, like in this world, that's how it's done. But yeah, in this world, like he's not actually an escaped mental patient. He's just a guy who decided to fucking do a thing. Potentially, I assume. Like it's Michael like, Myers. Yeah, it's like a vocation in this world. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's like they're artists. So that was step one, by the way. Cardio, I think. Oh, I, I I'm going to agree with you. Yeah, I can't remember what step one was. Anyways, step two, I started writing the steps at step two. You need to find a target group. So this is how we, you find the people that you're going to stalk and kill and then we learn about the survivor girl which we come to know as the final girl with if you listen to our 2021 the 13th we always call that the last lady alive we call her the final girl because that's what she is i believe that came from paper that was written by like some kind of feminist studies professor or something like that back in the late 80s or early 90s it definitely was i remember reading like when i first encountered the term final girl it was referencing an academic article that had been written specifically i believe about alien but the article i was reading was about the evil dead and how it subverts the idea of the final girl and they were basically calling it a misogynistic masterpiece and i was like well i don't know that i'm 100 percent on board with that but it's an interesting idea why because the dude lives not only does the dude live but you know horror always has the trope of the final girl and she's a virgin and the evil dead basically takes the girl who would have been the final girl and rapes her i don't necessarily think she's right in that i don't think that was sam raimi and rob tapert and bruce campbell's thought going into it no because i don't think and most of those tropes hadn't been like really that movie came out in like 1981 there were some it wasn't quite the just the trope yet yeah it hadn't been nailed down as hard as it would get later especially you know by the late 80s but it had definitely made an appearance the idea of the final girl i mean you know like i said the ultimate final girl is ellen ripley like literally right from the beginning she's the one who knows what has to be done and if people would just have listened to her everything (laughs) would would have been prevented and consequently everyone but her dies alien is an awesome movie everybody talks about alien versus the thing which one's better who gives a shit they're both awesome let's just watch them both i completely agree sorry we're getting sidetracked yeah, here we are anyway so <laughs> the survivor girl so he's talking about how he how he chooses the how he chooses the people to kill once you have a location lined up then it's time to move on to step two find a target group a uh, target group uh-huh. you mean you mean victims? Potato, potato, whatever. Anyway, it's not as easy as you think. Everybody thinks we just wake up one morning and start obsessing about a girl and start stalking her, killing everybody that gets in the way. That does seem to happen a lot with you guys. No, it's that? No, no. The girl's the key, yes, but she's got to have a supporting cast. Like that 
that bunch right there, there's your bread and butter. The good-looking, athletic kids with healthy libidos. <laughs> Those guys over there, they don't move quite as fast when you get them on the run. So they're good to pad your numbers with late in the game. Look at that guy. <laughs> you got to find a group who will all hang together. A little from column A, a little from column B. And one survivor girl will tie them all together. What is a survivor girl? Oh, I'm sorry. It's an industry term. It's, uh, it's what you call a girl like her who just might be able to walk away from me at the end of the day. Okay, what is it about this girl? She's a virgin. A virgin? How do you, how do you know that? How do the swallows find Capistrano? I don't know. <laughs> Look at her. She's a virgin. <laughs> You're not getting that? Oh, my God. Did you, did you get that? Did you get that? Yeah. Did you get that? Tell me you got that. I got it. I got did it. Did you see that? How we sensed each other? So you've been tracking her already? Her? No, not her. No, I'm eyeing her for the first time. No, I got a girl picked out in Glen Echo. I just brought you out here so you'd have a sense of what I've done so far. <laughs> if I didn't have a girl picked out already, we'd be way too far behind schedule. Oh, it's like one of those cooking shows, right? Where they have like the pie already bacon in the oven, sort of ready to go, you know? You ever... You ever watch those? I listened to the commentary track like the first half of it. It is fucking wacky who they have on that commentary track. It's great. It's it's the Anchor Bay people. It's weird. Anchor Bay was pretty big back in, you know, 2006, 2007. And oh, I yeah. Bought a lot of their Blu-rays or their DVDs. I wasn't even... Blu-ray hadn't even come out yet. Shit, I was buying their stuff back in the VHS days. Oh, nice. So you have the director of this movie, obviously, but then you have Adam Green who directed Hatchet. What? Why is he on it? They're friends, I guess. And huh. then you have the motherfucker who directed... Wrong Turn 2 and um, Knights of Bad Astom. He's there for some reason. And they're all just bullshit oh, yeah. about this movie. And it's kind of awesome. What's that dude's name again? I forget. I listened to a podcast with him the other day. and uh, Joe yeah, Lynch. He was, he was really entertained. Joe Lynch. There you go. What is the budget on this movie? I'm trying Less to find it. Less than a million dollars. I can't find it. But I do see the uh, the US and Canada gross $69,136. That's a fucking travesty, dude. It's just a damn shame how this movie got treated but i know that it's less than a million dollars in this situation so they're like oh so we're here you're you have your final girl picked out he's like well shit if i didn't have my final girl picked out already we'd be way behind schedule because he has like less than a month to go it's like the anniversary of his death or something right that he's supposed to pop up and then this girl walks by and they kind of like he says oh do you see that we sensed each other like they make eye contact and he's like have you been they're like have you been stalking her for a while and he's like no dude this is the first time we've ever met so i have a girl picked out in Glen echo and you know we already have a girl and then one of the camera well, guys you, they're sitting there leslie's pointing out these archetype groups at a high school then this girl walks out and he's like yeah look at her she's the one you know and and so he starts explaining the survivor girl archetype to taylor right he's explaining it to taylor and then they have this connection moment and the girl looks at him and he looks at her and then she kind of scuttles behind this tree like to break the eye contact and it's a really it's a really interesting moment like it's one of the few moments in the movie where a minor character's acting is like so good <laughs> that it belongs in a bigger budget movie and then he's like whoa did you feel that we we connected there and he's absolutely right like you can see the connection between them it's crazy and he also says like oh hey you see that girl she's a virgin and they're like how do you know and he's like how do the fishes how do the fish or whatever find Capistrano how do the swallows return to capistrano yeah that swallows are birds <laughs> not fish okay you're remembering the salmon of capistrano from dumb and dumber i don't remember that at all but yeah so then then the fat the fat camera guys say uh, referring to the to the girl already picked out he's like oh so it's like one of those cooking shows when they have like the stuff in the oven already and they they show you how to bake it but they already have one cooking in the oven and then everybody just kind of looks at him like he's an idiot (laughs) 
that's the that's the point at which you're like is leslie gonna just straight up murder this guy right now now the next scene is where they're at the diner but they're not inside the diner they don't go inside the diner that's very important so we're going to they're going to explain that opening scene to us and he's showing them the actual survivor girl whose name is kelly curtis it's kelly curtis i I don't know why i know that but i wrote it down i can't even remember the main character's name i'm sure as shit not gonna remember her name (laughs) he calls this the flyby that's that's what it is step three flyby and it's basically him orchestrating the moment when michael steps out from behind the bush yes it's exactly that she goes outside because she works she's a waitress at this diner she goes outside to take out the garbage every night and she props the door open with this brick and he's like i have the brick fixed i have clear fishing line you can just pull it and taylor helps him do this and then we see it in quick cuts like what happened and shit which is the scene that we saw unfold at the beginning of the movie and then right before well no actually hang hang on this is important she says taylor goes can we can we talk to her i'd like to talk to her and leslie says she is off limits strictly off limits there's no wiggle room on that which would make sense very very serious about it and then just as they're about to leave we see a random car pull up and the guy gets out and they're like hey who's that guy and he's like i don't know doesn't matter so my question is first of all why would a random person walking into a restaurant have any to do with what the fuck they're doing like obviously he does later but like why would they just assume hey who's that guy who's who's that guy going to get food at this restaurant who's that guy well i think the idea is that the restaurant was closing while they were standing there like because it looked like everyone but kelly cleared out of the place you know what that's probably exactly what that is Thank I don't know. you. That's what it seemed like to me. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm an idiot. It's Friday. I've had a long week. Okay, leave me alone. Stop <laughs> judging me. I can see you well, judging ju- me. I'm not judging you. I'm, I'm not just talking to you. They, I'm talking to them. They weren't super clear about it, though. I agree. Like they could have been a little more clear about it. The next scene is Leslie taking the taking the crew to meet Eugene and Jamie, and he's like, he's an old pro. He's basically Leslie's mentor, and he's like, well, Eugene, Eugene's an old pro, and then and Jamie is super hot that's what he says she is and she is your first thought is definitely well eugene must have a big old cock that wasn't my first thought because <laughs> you're not a you're not a douchebag misogynist no well yeah but in different <laughs> ways so they they knock on the door and yeah. jamie pops up and she's like oh hey who the fuck are these camera guys and he's, she's like oh that that's what you were telling me about and then it turns out eugene is in what they call the tank which is a sensory deprivation tank and they use that to slow down their bodily functions so they can you know look dead that's what he says so he can in case you have to act like you're you know dead which is a great explanation for michael and jason you know i mean it's a it's a fantastic retcon for the idea of how they survived yeah isn't it i i like that they're they're picking apart this is yeah if you like screaming shit this is a this is a good one to give a watch to yeah it you know the like i said the meta horror thing if if you're into that this is the movie that everybody forgets about so they go and get eugene out of this out of the fucking deprivation tank and he's like hey man what time is it and he's like oh it's six o'clock oh tuesday no it's thursday <laughs> so he's been in there for like three days <laughs> like jesus how long have you been in there yeah turns out eugene's pretty hardcore yeah yeah i'm i no wonder he did so well in what we learn is apparently how does he get 
paid? How 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 does he make money to live in that house? Like he calls what he does jobs. Like how many jobs can you fit in in a year? Well, I mean, you know, there's probably some level of money involved in that kind of thing. You know, I mean, you can always pick money off the dead bodies. I guess I don't know. We're <laughs> our, I I feel like that's a little nitpicky. I'm just asking fucking questions here, okay, Dad? Jesus. Okay, Mr. Trump. I'm just him, asking questions. I'm just asking questions. Me and Trump are the same. We both that love is McDonald's. That a one-to-one comparison. We both love McDonald's and we both have really tiny hands. I thought you loved Popeyes. I like Popeyes. Uh, Chick-fil-A can go fuck itself, but Popeyes is cool. I like Popeyes. I haven't been there in forever. That's because it's too fucking far away. I don't like it enough to go to drive a half hour to go get it. That's the problem. McDonald's is five minutes away from my house. Yeah, I'm sorry to say I end up making that choice a lot of times too. Arby's is six minutes away from the house. Like, all right, I've got 30 minutes for lunch. And it's going to take me how long to get there and how long to get back? Oh, so I'm going to have exactly, you know, 90 seconds to eat my lunch. The people that took over my work, they provided us with these this little phone app that you can clock in and out on. As long as you're in the vicinity of the building, you can just clock in. It's very dishonest, but they gave it to us. So that was, that was on them. <laughs> Well, hey, you know, you got to enjoy the small perks. Oh, and they fucking suck. So I really don't feel bad about it. Taylor doesn't drink. Uh, Eugene offers her a beer and she doesn't drink. That becomes important later. We we don't need to dwell on it. Let's just not. Jamie asks Eugene to cut up the veggies while he's explaining what the, the, you know, the what's and why's of what he did back in the old days, he calls it. And he says, I had most of my success in the 60s and 70s. It's so weird how they just talk about it. Yeah, they use a lot of euphemism. It's like he's he was with a he was just in a ro- in a touring rock band. He had most of his success in the 60s and 70s. <laughs> Maybe that's how they see themselves. And then he talks about, you know, it, it was more about quantity over quality, I guess. Like how, how many jobs you can fit in in a year. And, you know, one of the rules is you never go to the same place twice. And Michael and Jason, they decided that they were going to change all that. And, you know, they became fucking legends, ghost stories, essentially, in the murderer community. And he and he makes a, he makes a little side comment about, yeah, there are always hacks, you know, one-offs. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm like, what are these fucking guys? You talk about like Ted Bundy? shit like the regular random serial killers that pop up no i think i think what he's talking about is he's talking about the um oh fuck that's where he mentions the sorority house thing <clears throat> exactly he's talking about the slasher movies that never really developed into franchises or yes. in which the uh you know the the original killer gets killed right off the bat you know in the first movie and then you know maybe they bring it back but it's not the original killer you know so like all the screen like, movies yeah or like slumber party massacre you know he he mentioned specifically someone invading a, a sorority house and getting killed yes yep that's what happened in slumber party massacre yeah they'll get which, out, by the way yeah. is a real is slumber party massacre is a really good horror movie if you haven't seen it i highly recommend i it. have not uh it's one of those ones that everybody on all those horror pages talks about specifically the scream factory one they're like oh my god somebody's selling this for a hundred dollars and it's out of print and shit and i'm like get a life just watch it on tubi and shut up well i i understand the urge to own because uh you know if you own it it can never be taken away away from you that is true unless it's stolen true. and uh, well, confiscated and who's confiscating your fucking sorority house massacre or slumber party massacre or whatever well i mean it if it has significant value and maybe you're behind on your bills maybe it gets repoed i don't know oh, i fuck. don't fucking know what oh I'm, I'm, on that I'm thinking you like you start dating a girl and she like tries to move in and she's like you need to get rid of all this trashy f- movie stuff yeah and that's when you break up with her because fuck that shit yeah but you're a simp you'd be like yes dear i i am a simp but i have a line oh yeah fuck yeah i'm I'm just i was kidding there's my line too 
get fucked. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Anybody who tried to separate me from my movies, no, sorry, fuck off. Like, what else do I have, man? I have. I'm willing. To, <laughs> I have movies, and I have this podcast. I gave up on music. Those guitars piss me off. I'm willing to. Uh, I'd be willing to, you know, compromise on like what we watch together. Like, okay, you don't like slashers and shit like that. All right, I'll do that on my own, and then we can watch all these other movies together. But yeah, if she's like, nope, you got to give up the movies. I'm like, nope, you got to give up this relationship. So Eugene is I don't cutting need that kind of negativity in my life. I agree with that. Eugene is cutting up the veggies, and he gets really heated about the hacks who he's referring to uh and he fucking starts he's cutting yes, up these carrots and then like it cuts to taylor and she's kind of watching him and she's she's uncomfortable obviously being in the house with two murderers and one lady who is very just accepting of the whole thing which we find out has an interesting connection later it's a throwaway line but yeah if you're paying attention there it is it cuts to her and then you hear this chop 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 and he like dices these carrots up he doesn't dice like, he fucking shreds dusts them. them so good knife skills <laughs> so jason freddie and Michael Myers are not hacks, by the way. Right. Yeah. They're the, they're the, they elevated it to an art in the words of Eugene. Yes. So here is something very important. I think this is like the actual crux of the movie, the why they do it. And Eugene says that every civilization has their monsters and you need to, you need evil to balance out the good. So you need to have that good and evil thing going on and they choose to be the evil that helps balance out the universe. Yeah. It's, it's strange because while they, choose to embody evil they're very clearly enthusiastically on the side of the survivor girl they want her to survive but they're not going to cut her a break but they want her to survive yeah it's like it's almost like a weird you know what there's a there's a spin-off movie here about the cult that these guys are all a part of (laughs) i wonder if they get into that in the sequel in the sequel that will never fucking happen in a million years well the the thing is i found out by watching my shout factory Blu-ray special features, the sequel did happen as a comic book. Oh, of course it did. Really? That you cannot fucking buy for love or money now. (laughs) By the way, I went looking for it. I was like, oh, great. It's a comic book. Where can I find it? Fucking nowhere for any amount of money. It's not for sale. You just can't find it. Amazon doesn't have it. eBay doesn't have it. Google search it. It's fucking nowhere, dude. Once we get done with this, we're going to email the director of this movie and we'll see what the fuck. (laughs) All right, I'm sure he doesn't get that email three times a day. Do you think he does though? Do you think like? Ah, oh, well, yeah. Now that he, now that you mention it, he probably doesn't. I mean, that's why I think that's why the comic books are so hard to come by. Is they were done through a Kickstarter campaign. Oh yeah, or maybe it was an Indiegogo campaign. And consequently, like I don't think they ever ended up in comic shops. And so the people they have them that have them basically have collectors' items that there's probably only a couple hundred of in the world. Um, they could literally charge anything they wanted for them because no one is selling them. anyways okay so good versus evil eugene this is a long fucking scene i realized it's not really that long there's just they covered a lot of shit here and it's a great scene like <sighs> I can't get enough of Eugene. I want to see Eugene's movie. Like, I really do. Like, yeah, a nice period piece going back to the 60s. That's what I'd like to see in terms of, like, an expanded universe. If Netflix, like, picked it up and turned it into a series or some shit like that. I'd like to see him go into Eugene's backstory and how he got together with, what is it, Jamie? Jamie, yeah. Yeah, like how they ended up together and shit. You know, obviously the um, the prologue of, you know, where Leslie came from and, and stuff. Because later on we find out that the Leslie Vernon backstory 
is not his own. I'd also like to see a sequel. Like if you could do a sequel that goes back into that stuff, you know, as world building. Well, now that you mention it, so Scott Glosserman hasn't done a whole lot. The last thing he produced, and I think he also directed that, uh, was a movie called The Truth Below, and I've never heard of it before. This is the first time hearing of it as well. And it came out in 2011, and it says in his upcoming projects on IMDb, in development, before the mask? It says before TM. Yeah, before the mask, the return of Leslie Vernon. Okay, well, there you go. And it's been in fucking development since this movie came out. Yeah, it's it's never going to happen. Never, ever going to happen, which is a bummer, because I think while this movie's not perfect, it's pretty fucking good. And he also had less than a million dollars, not a lot of time, I imagine. Give him him a budget and a little bit of extra time. I can, what, what do you think he could come up with then? I think he could come up with some interesting stuff. The trouble with this movie is, this movie is like Lovecraft where Lovecraft was not a good writer not really oh man (laughs) but he had such good ideas that it carried him through it despite that and he's still despite not being a good writer is one of the defining voices in the history of horror like that's how I look at this movie this movie is like that like it's one of it's one of the best horror movies of the last 20 years despite not being very well made yeah it's there's a lot of charm to stuff like that for me at least like that's the thing it's like technically this movie has a lot of problems but the concepts and the story and the characters are so strong that it allows it to still be a really great movie despite all these glaring problems that would tank any other movie i was just looking at the trivia this one's funny i just i just had to interrupt you here for a second the two turtles names are church and zoe references to pet cemetery one and two church being the cat from the first one and zoe being the dog from pet cemetery two just thought i'd throw that one out there oh fuck oh see i've never seen pet cemetery two so all right nice let's jump into the rest so we get asked about a red herring and i can't even remember what the fucking red herring means this is one of those moments where we kind of have to start getting into the reality of what's going on here because and this is second viewing stuff you know, which is that Leslie's not actually going after uh, what's her name, Kelly. He's not actually interested in Kelly. Kelly is the red herring. So when he talks to Eugene about the red herring, that's what he's talking about. Oh, you know what? You're probably right. That makes sense. It's a red herring to throw Taylor off the fact that she's actually the final girl or the survivor girl to use the parlance of this movie, which Uh, honestly kudos to them for coming up with their own term when final girl was really starting to take off after they leave eugene's fucking jamie's house they go to the library uh and they're parked outside and leslie's gonna tell him he tells him how he's gonna do it he's like hey this is the article about how her uncle kelly's uncle raped my mom and all that shit and she's like taylor's like are they really related and he's like no and it looks just like her and he's like it is her he used some computer generated thing to to age her up and turn her into a man i guess and (laughs) and this is a trailer moment i remember seeing the trailer for this before i saw the movie and he turns around He's like, you know, most of what we use is CGI. (laughs) There's a lot of trailer moments. I should have watched the fucking trailer because I remember seeing it on a bunch of DVDs. It's like all those Dragon Dynasty DVDs and all those Anchor Bay DVDs. They always had trailers for other movies that were released under the Anchor Bay title, you know. So now we've reached the point of no return, right? That's what he says. This is the point of no return where they're going to go into the library and watch him knock off the librarian. But first we have to talk about microfiche and everybody has to say that word a thousand times and it's a really weird <laughs> word. Microfiche. 
<laughs> remember microfiche no not oh really. microfiche uh, he, i do he's gonna plant I, that. i'm old enough for that <laughs> i do i do remember having my friends use it a couple times back in the day back in the 90s oh my god we're old man yours was in the 80s right i was introduced in the 80s i mean you know it was like it was a library thing yeah again libraries seemed to be the bastions of microfiche back in the day oh yeah yeah like who had a microfiche machine in their home i did i did i just like collecting you, old newspapers you totally didn't they're fucking <laughs> huge they're gargantuan they're the size of an arcade machine i totally absolutely did not you're right I although also, you know who did my grandpa my well my step grandpa my stepmom's dad all my grandma he had, had a microfiche a, reader all my grandma had was an old sewing machine a fucking i think everybody's grandma had an old sewing machine yeah that that they never used it was just kind of there to look pretty oh no my grandma actually <laughs> used it she was a seamstress when she was younger oh cool my grandma like sold insurance or some shit i don't remember everybody's grandma did something different fuck it. some grandmas are on only fans now that is so hot you have no idea <laughs> so we get a nice joke here that they planted and they did this on purpose they're all kind of crouched down in the library whispering talking about what's gonna happen he's like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna scare her i'm gonna plant this fucking he's gonna plant the article and kelly's gonna find it because sometimes the librarian lets her stay late so that's why he's gonna kill the librarian he reaches behind him and he's like paradise lost he grabs a book and then shows the camera found it and it's paradise lost uh so <laughs> a random car pulls up outside of the library and we kind of have a feeling of where that's going and todd the cameraman is getting super creepy over it might have been yeah todd uh, todd's the fat guy it was getting super creepy over oh, kelly yeah. he's like he's like he's like god she's so hot oh and it's getting really weird and taylor's like she's in high school you dick yeah it is it's super creepy guys she's like 17 it's at least slightly inappropriate like come on man so now we jump back into the cinematic thing here after kelly finds the article and what's her name what's her name what's her fucking name you everybody zelda rubenstein yeah zelda rubenstein thank you from poltergeist of course and you know i watched a, i watched teen witch a lot when i was a kid so she okay, I've never seen Teen Witch, but everybody of my generation knows Poltergeist, and everybody of my generation knows her line. This house is clean. I've never seen Poltergeist. Oh, really? Yeah. No, yeah, she was the. But I, I know she. I was don't know. She, yeah. I don't know if she was like a phony psychic or just like didn't understand the gravity of what was going on in that house. But yeah, she pronounces the house clean, and then it fucking goes crazy and starts killing everybody. Oh, and this happened to be her last movie too. Oh my god, she's the same age as my grandma. What dead? <laughs> Too soon, man. Too soon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck. Oh, shit. That just happened. Sorry. <laughs> Forgot. No, she's, she. I mean, she's not like to the day the same age, but she's like a year older, maybe, than my grandma. And, but she died back in 2010. My died, my grandma died back in last week. So, <laughs> back in last week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my grandma, my grandma died like two years ago. So I've, I've had time to move on. So I apologize. I forgot, dude. I'm sorry. Shit. It's, it's okay. It's okay, man. Like, I, that's the easiest way for me to deal with this shit anyways to just joke about it i didn't even cry when my grandma died is that weird well you also said like you didn't really like your grandma my grandma was like a second mother to me and in then a good way and then i go to the funeral and the preacher's like talking about this lady and i'm like who the fuck is he talking about dude that was so fucking weird i hated that that was the weirdest goddamn thing i'm like dude i don't even know this person why am i here that's basically how i feel about my entire family sorry if you're listening but it, it it's it's gotten that way all all you crazy anti-masker, anti-vax people. When did all my when did my family become crazy people? They might have been crazy before the pandemic, before the anti-science administration and 
all of that. I don't know. Before Fox News. Science is real, right? Like I'm not I'm not the fucking crazy one. Oh, we'd like to think so. What that I'm not that I'm not the crazy one or that science is real? Both. I don't fucking know if it's brown. <laughs> Jesus. We get to hear a little backstory. The guy that's supposed to be Kelly's uncle who raped Leslie's mom, was it? Or was it her grandma or something? No, it was his mom. It okay. was basically that that was Leslie's father because Leslie was a rape baby. She's like, if he's my uncle, then that makes Le- Leslie my... <sighs> and then Mrs. Collinwood, the librarian, is like, don't worry about it, dear. It's just an Those old are story. just old stories. And just like Leslie said she would. Yeah, literally exactly. I love that everything happens exactly the way he says it would, because that's exactly how <laughs> it happens in movies. And we'll get another... There's a nice metal line later on by Doug the cameraman. Todd the cameraman. The fat one. I fucking don't remember his name. Leslie shows up right behind her. Right behind Zelda Rubenstein, the librarian, by the way, and he stabs her with his awesome fucking hand scythe that she mentioned prior because he killed the dad the rape the rape dad with a hand scythe and then uh hung his mother from an apple tree and hung his mother from an apple tree yes oh no he he tilled he tilled the fields with a hand scythe i don't know if he killed the guy with a hand scythe maybe oh mm. yeah no, i don't remember question. i i do remember that he hung his mother from an apple yes. tree because that's healthy Does that well i mean you know i think the idea is that it was leslie vernon <laughs> didn't have a healthy upbringing oh no he seems fine nope it was nothing but mcdonald's and something else that's unhealthy i don't know (laughs) i'm not exactly on my game today so before leslie is able to finish his plan and say hey i'm gonna chase kelly around for a little bit doc halloran comes in who is played by robert england who is of course fucking freddy krueger and who is doing some of the best acting of his career in this movie although you know there is part of me that is like is he really doing some of the best acting of his career or is he just such a better actor than some of the other actors that he seems like he's doing the best acting of his career because he really does you're paying way too much attention to that kind of shit and i'm just along for the ride man well that's the problem when i watch for this show my critical dick bag tends to come out and i try not to like i try to watch sincerely and just really sit back and enjoy but if it's a movie i've already seen before it's a lot harder for me to do that my tendency is just to be as much of a critical douche as i can so he chases leslie he shoots him i guess which he shoots him in the shoulder but we'll learn about that a little later well, Leslie is kind of doing a lateral move when he shoots him, too. So, yes. you know, like he, he was probably aiming center mass, but caught him in the shoulder. <laughs> so they all get out and so the, the crew and Leslie get out and they're all super excited because that shit just happened. So there's something that I'll talk about later if I remember, but they're excited. And he's like, dude, we have an Ahab. We have an Ahab. He keeps on saying that. And she's like, yeah, we have an Ahab. And she's like, what's an Ahab? And he's like, that's what he is. And it's a wonderful thing. And he's very bouncy and happy. He just murdered an old lady. Nobody seems too concerned about it so that's a thing yeah it, it is a little weird like because they get really sensitive about the murder later but yeah. this one they just kind of breeze past maybe it's because she was old and they and taylor hates old ladies that could be maybe that she hates be. her grandma she might, and she's like oh she yeah might be an ageist bitch. so the next day after all that excitement the camera crew minus leslie leslie's not there they go to the diner to talk to kelly Ooh, that's naughty you don't do that because leslie told you not to and it's a mistake it is a mistake Doc Halloran is there and he's like, what the 
fuck are you guys here? Why are you following this poor girl? Do you know where Leslie is? You know where he is, don't you? And, you know, then he's like, you know, his name's not really Leslie Vernon. It's Leslie Mancuso, who is named after one of the producers of the Friday the 13th franchise. Yeah, he starts dropping twists on us left and right here. They see something outside and Taylor automatically, Taylor goes like, oh, fuck, we got to go. We got to get out of here. And turns out Leslie's there and he caught them and he's mad and he chokes Taylor and fucking tells Well, he doesn't choke. He doesn't choke her. He doesn't choke her right out the gate. Like he kind of has a very terse conversation with her about crossing lines and what she agreed to and shit. And then she says, tell me about Reno or something. Oh yeah, that's it. That's it. Tell me about Reno. And then he snaps. But then, you know, he's like, I'll tell you what you, I'll tell you what you want to know. Just get in the van. And I'm like, Hey, uh, considering what you know about this man, maybe the last thing you want to do is get in the van. (laughs) It's a testament to how charming Nathan Beasel is in this role. Would you have gotten uh, in the van? I probably would have gotten in the van. (laughs) Like I'd have been scared shitless, but I still probably would have gotten into the van. Like if now granted, this is assuming I'm already on board through everything up to this point. If Assuming you, that, well, I feel like, yes, I get in the van in that scenario. Leslie is going to tell them a little bit about who he actually is. It turns out that his name is Leslie Mancuso. Doc Halloran was his psychiatrist. And I uh, did he escape? from like a loony bin or something we're not really sure i don't think uh i that's a little foggy for me taylor's like well if he knows where you are can't he just come get you and he's like no i filed a restraining order against him so if he comes anywhere near me he'll be arrested and he laughs and they're all like what the fuck maybe this guy's a psycho for real like they're still (laughs) on the fence after they watched him murder an old lady uh yeah so they make the decision they're like should we are we gonna go or are we gonna stay and then they make the decision we're gonna stay the next day we find out that leslie drives a fucking prius so, <laughs> so that is certainly a thing which were still fairly new at the time i think they were only, they'd only been around for like nine years yeah so what the fuck is he doing that he can drive a prius he killed somebody and took it huh probably yep yeah. so we get another little house tour he tells them more of the plan and he talks about like specifically the closet the closet's important another another trope of these slasher movies is the girl always ends up in the closet and the closet is meant to be a sacred place seriously there's got to be some like cult that teaches them this stuff yeah that would make sense and it's like it's like the womb and we'll get a lot of stuff like that later and we learn some big words i mean because in this world they don't have movies about this stuff yeah it's reality not. that's about this stuff yeah. yeah oh i didn't think about that it was kind of fucking weird it's not scream then he talks about empowering her with my manhood that's what he says Empower- yeah it gets yeah. it gets very freudian and then he's talking about the the tool shed and how the obvious weapons at the front are sabotaged he's like i've loosened the the head on the axe the sledgehammer let's just hope she doesn't get lucky with the first shot yeah (laughs) but he wants her he wants her to take the roles yeah you don't get that because you're not fucking cool enough okay no i don't what are you referring to it's an episode of boy meets world where Corey. oh my god of fucking course it is Corey is dating this girl and he does a flash forward to him being an old man with her in their like 90s and he's like putting all this stuff in his in his jacket and she's like why are you doing that why are you taking the roles they want you to take the roles because they're free it still makes no sense i'm all off to send you the the clip it's pretty funny because i always say that are they at a buffet or something no they're just at a sit-down restaurant they're there for the early bird special let's talk about the difference between yonic and phallic instead okay let's do that so if the closet is the womb the path leading out to the apple orchard is the birth canal and yes he says that i'm not making that up and he's like 
it's it's like Yannick. And they're like, what the fuck does Yannick mean? And I'm like, what the fuck does Yannick mean? It's the opposite of phallic. It's girl parts. It's girl parts. Is that what he said? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fun. I learned you learn something in this stuff. I like the joke at the cider press. He's talking about the cider press and he's like crushing the apples and she's like, well, what are you going to do? What's going to happen with this? And he's like, well, first I'm going to crush some apples and then juice is going to come pouring out because he's a fucking sarcastic douchebag. And he also has a fucking soul patch. I noticed that's a little yeah, much. that is a little that's very 2000s, though. I, ha- I have to allow that given the era this movie came out during in that movie. The Nickelback tuxedo. was fucking huge at the time. Do you remember that movie, The Tuxedo with Jackie Chan? He has a soul patch. What? I don't think it's real, oh, but I already fucking hated that movie. That was the last Jackie Chan movie I ever watched. The last new one. Really? Yeah, I watched that. I was like, all right, Jackie, I'm done because he'd done the Rush Hour movies. He'd done Rush Hour and Rush Hour 2 and like Rush Hour 2 was a steep decline over Rush Hour 1 and really? then he did I think it's way better Shang- and then he did Shanghai Noon and I was like this movie's fucking stupid and then he did the tuxedo I thought I Shanghai like, Nights right, was done. better than Shanghai Noon too I-, I don't think I ever watched Shanghai Nights that came out after the tuxedo didn't it I do not remember yeah so I never watched it and yeah it's fucking stupid all of Jackie Chan's American movies are stupid yeah I I guess that's the thing it's like it's his American movies because like what was the last what was the last Chinese one he did was uh, uh like recently Mr. Nice guy mr nice no no oh, no like of the one that era like that got for rush hour yeah it was like mr nice guy or twin dragons i don't remember yeah and both of those were really good like i loved those the first movie of his i ever saw was rumble in the bronx which was a same. fucking revelation same i had no idea and you know my stepdad fucking piece of shit he was he brought it home and he's like yo this guy's doing karate and stuff and i'm like oh, okay i'll watch it I'm like holy shit shit changed your life didn't it yeah kind of yeah mine too that's the first time i think mostly most almost everybody in america saw that kind of shit almost yeah there, there's I, always there's probably gonna be I, that niche fan base that's like yeah no i watched fucking drunken master in 1980 when it got when it when they sent it over here yeah like the the tarantino nerds and shit like that had were aware but yeah like your average middle american you know like high school kid living in elk washington yeah that was the first time i ever <laughs> yeah. saw something like that and i was like this is the greatest fucking thing i've ever seen in my life you know what i really 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 want i want rumble in the bronx with the original audio i want i don't want the english dub I want the Cantonese. I would love to see a good boutique release of Rumble in the Bronx. Of all, all of those Jackie Chan films of that era would be amazing. But Rumble in the Bronx specifically, eighty-eight films, man. They're they're the ones to look at for that kind of stuff. It's eighty-eight all... films only does Region B. I know, but I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get one of those fucking Blu-ray players. So the next the next note I wrote down, uh, Eugene and Jamie make me feel weird, and I can't remember why. I think it's because they. <laughs> go to their house like right before the night and they talk about the Ahab thing and then when they leave she asks that question so what's what's the best survival tip for getting away from someone like you and then he and then Eugene gives that line about you know just run choose one direction and run and don't stop and don't look back because you won't like what you see yep and 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 then she says what about sticking together as a team and he's like you can do that but make sure there's one son of a bitch who's slower than you are fucked up and oh then my God. and then jamie says like somehow they make the transition to you know just just be fast and then jamie says i was fast wasn't i <laughs> and that's the point at which you're like oh this relationship is really fucked up well then well yeah he she said i was fast wasn't i but then he's like oh yeah you caught me ha 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 so i'm like wait was he trying to kill her oh f- yeah. yeah was she like the final girl or was she, she was the final girl him? yeah so leslie is deep in preparation for this thing he's like getting all the getting all 
all the stuff ready. He's talking about the windows. I like the windows. He's like, Taylor asks, like, wouldn't they just break the windows if they can't get them open? And he's like, you'd think so. But no, they only do that from the top floor. <laughs> which is so fucking true. Taylor asks, he's like, do you love Kelly? And this, this is where it starts to get a little even even creepier now. He's like, you know, I love the idea of her. And that's when he's getting ready with like the the stuff, the Vaseline fire retardant stuff on his face. Yeah, he, he talks about this, this fire retardant and it's also a hemorrhoid cream. He's like, so it constricts the blood vessels. So, you know, you get less bleeding if you get hit or something and less swelling if you get punched. And he says, and it also makes your skin real pale. And I mixed in a fire retardant which is cool so casual so yeah but like that all plays into the rest of the story it does it really does oh shit so he's so happy he's crying at this point he's he's planned his whole basically his whole life is revolving around this moment that's gonna happen yeah he like has he like has a really emotional moment and taylor's like wants to comfort him because he's like having a a joy breakdown yeah because they're like friends at this point right so and then she kind of has this moment where she's like this is fucked up um yep but she ends up she holds his hand as the yeah before he gets up and goes like i'm gonna do some last minute preparations here so they all end up in this little room and he called his he calls it his staging area and they're they're in there and he's talking he's like okay so this is what i'm gonna do this happened and this happened and this happened so they're probably gonna end up coming up to the room here in a minute and i'm gonna he says i usually give them a little time that was the line i usually give them a little time to get stuff going and i'm like oh fuck that's when i realized and i never realized it before i'm like he's done this before yeah this isn't his first rodeo this is just like the big one yeah like he's been ramping up to this yes but he's done it before he has done it before and i did not pick that up the first hundred fucking times i watched this movie like how did i yep. not pick that up because i'm an idiot that's the nice thing about rewatching this movie <laughs> i mean all the cracks start showing but at the same time you start getting little little easter eggs that they throw in there little backstory and character moments that you didn't you didn't catch that first go around yeah so we hear we hear the people the the couple the the fuckers the the jock and the and the slut, I guess. Who he learned. The horn dogs. Yeah, the horn dogs. They're in there fucking around, and he talks about how he's going to kill them, and then he's going to stage the bodies so that eventually somebody will run up there and they'll find them, and then it'll cause everybody to freak out because he does and he doesn't want to lose containment too early and all that shit. We skipped over a lot of the preparation because it's a lot, and I didn't write any of it down because I fucking suck at this because I'm a professional. Like he goes through so much of this stuff. He he talks about you know where they're going to go, and he he has it all planned out that they're going to go from point A to point B to point C and he illustrates why they're going to go there like how he staged it to in to basically psychologically drive them in the direction he wants to and it's very interesting it, it, it's definitely worth multiple watches just to sort of follow his logic because it's very well thought out so these two are up in the up in the room now and Leslie puts on his mask that mask by the way is super creepy especially when he, when he like does a close-up on his face and his eyes are not doing anything and that like sad face mask is just kind of there and it's really it's really eerie and I don't like it. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a good one. It's they really did such a good job in so many ways with this movie. Like in in all the ways that really really mattered, they nailed it. Yeah, and this is where he does go out there and he kills. The, but he's like, it's fucking showtime. I'm happy. Ah, he's very. Oh, and he, he pulls the spark plugs out of all the cars and he's like, you know, some somehow I just don't feel like getting run over tonight. Ha ha ha. Because he's still he's still joking. It's still all fun and games with the crew at this point. Yeah, because they're not sure if the, the, this shit's actually gonna happen. Like. Like he's they're still kind of like is he really gonna go out there and kill those people and i'm like you 
just you saw him do it like a day ago so i don't know yeah that's that's the one area of just disconnect is like yeah you literally have already watched him kill somebody <laughs> but then he does he does go out there and kill those people and that's when shit gets real apparently and they're like oh fuck he really did it he really did that and taylor starts freaking out and she's like get the fucking camera out of my face where i'm i'm, do- I'm done with it just get it out of my face and leslie's like all right you guys get the fuck out of here because he needs to don't ruin my life's work he says yeah like he he pulls him out he's like oh nope all right come on we're going we're going and they're like what what he says you have a look you have a look in your eye that says you're gonna fuck this up and uh, and so he just like forcibly escorts them back to their van and yeah and like you said like you said he's he's just this is my life's work i'm not gonna let you fuck it up for me tonight's about me and he said oh and oh and then she tries to do that thing like you don't have to do this you don't have to do this it's, it's, you're not in it too far yet and he's like but i made a choice to provide a counterbalance to all things good and pure yeah and and that's that's the moment in which there's sort of a severing of the friendship bond that they've had up to this point yeah like he shakes the hands of the two camera guys and they're all like good luck good luck (laughs) which is so fucking weird (laughs) logically but at the same time if you were in that exact exact same position and you had followed him through up to this point and he was as charming as he was up to this point and you had gone along with it yeah i'd probably say the same thing i'd probably be like yeah good luck man (laughs) yeah they're friends like and he's he says like by the end of this i'll probably be in hiding in jail or dead so yeah he yeah that's right he says so this was gonna be the end of it anyway yeah yeah that's right yeah he he, he, earlier he says like a minute ago he says you have that look like you just can't stand by and let it happen sure enough oh that's right that's right that's how he words it as he walks away you know they put the cameras down and it cuts to the you know we're we're back we're back in movie land now it's it's a movie again and it did this before too like i i guess we kind of missed that where it does do the cut to movie land in the library scene also it does do that like does like a weird little spinny transition or something yeah but again it's it's not it's not a hard enough cut to where it feels like it's a cut i think i think yeah they were probably trying to do it as a more naturalistic transition but it ended up kind of feeling like a lack of commitment like i said before and those are the only three times they really do it the whole rest of the movie is pretty much done in that documentary style yeah yeah it's like the 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 first shot and then the library and then this the last like half hour of the movie like they even go out of their way if you remember in the prius scene they go out of their way to make sure that they have the one cameraman in the shot so you can see how they got the reverse shot whereas ordinarily they would have just edited around that but they kept it in so that you could see the cameraman so it justified him being there yeah so they go out of their way to to make that documentary format work except during those points and uh yeah again the transition is pretty rough for me yeah but that's okay because we don't have to deal with any more transitions now true at this point it's (laughs) we're firmly in la la land yes and she literally says i can't just stand by and what let this happen and they're like you know so we know his <laughs> plan that, that's that's exactly what he said she was gonna say because he's he's like a fucking he took one of those pickup artist classes and just knows everything about people <laughs> i was looking for a way to put that but yeah he, he can pretty read much people nailed it they're like okay we, we can disrupt his plan because we know exactly what's gonna happen so they go over to the house and they're about to walk in the front door and the fat camera guy goes this is a bad idea and i don't like that i said that given the circumstances <laughs> so it was a nice somebody who's going to definitely die always says something stupid like that if those two guys had just been better actors he could have sold that so much better like because it's a good line but he's a bad actor 
and suddenly he's right in front of the camera you know like he spent the whole time up to this point just being a voice that we sometimes hear and now suddenly we're on him and he is a bad actor and it's part of that rough transition well you know what he hasn't done a whole lot so nor does he get to do a whole lot he 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 does have one shining moment he was in 14 episodes of something called video game reunion in 2011 i don't know what that is well that sounds incredibly entertaining i don't know if you can hear the slash s in my voice all right you need to stay the fuck off of reddit man <laughs> i'm trying to be cool i'm trying to talk like the kids talk I don't, I, do kids even use reddit or isn't that something that people only in their 30s and up use now no there's an entire subreddit just for teenagers or, it's called r slash teenagers and i guarantee it's populated mostly by middle-aged men trying to hit on teenagers <laughs> get a, that's where i was headed with that whole thing yes that's exactly what's happening there they go into the house and the two stoners are hanging out and they're like where's kelly where's kelly she's like she's upstairs with that dude that's how they sound yeah and the performance was actually not quite as good as the one you just gave because these two are (laughs) easily the worst actors of the movie they go upstairs and they're like well she's obviously not in the master bedroom because you know she would have fucking seen the dead bodies at this point but they open this door because they can hear them and kelly is fucking (laughs) riding this guy's dick like super hard as no 17 year old has ever done i'm assuming like a pro yeah what does he say the the virgin doesn't hop on the nerdy kids johnson like it's a pogo stick yeah yeah so that that ruins their moment so everybody gets uh everybody goes downstairs now and they're they're all they're all down there the plan looks like it's going well other than that all the all the stuff that leslie set up because the power goes out because he has a fucking kill switch for it naturally two of those idiots go downstairs and just like he said they're gonna the dude's gonna bring his girlfriend so they can fuck well don't just breeze over it because we skipped a lot of this stuff on the way here help me help me i don't i don't don't know this stuff all i got and all i got next is that leslie's doing the cool scarecrow pose outside but that's a that's not for another minute or so well yeah that's the point (laughs) at which taylor is trying to explain kelly's role to her and how she needs to be the survivor and you know save them effectively prior to that he does cut the power and he explained that the one dude is going to go down there to fix it and he's going to bring his girlfriend so he can score because something about thinking with his dick and all that shit and then he was and that's exactly what he does yeah and he's he pops up behind him he stabs him and then the girl comes running upstairs to cause a little bit of panic but not too much the idea is that they'll go upstairs to go check on the two people who went up there first and they'll be dead and then that'll cause them to all run out of the house and try to drive away but they can't because there's no spark plugs in the car and so the cameraman gets the idea wait what we got to do is we got to get them upstairs so they'll see the dead bodies and freak out and then we can get them the hell out of here Uh, and so that's what they do they drag these teenagers upstairs to find the dead bodies which aren't there the two stoners dude they they sneak away though so they go to the tool shed that kelly was supposed to go to and there was a whole thing that leslie went over on the way as he was leading taylor through his plan earlier on in the movie where he's talking about the tool shed and how the tool shed is sort of like the equivalent of like a large closet it's a sacred space it's a place where only the survivor girl is allowed to go and so anybody else who goes there is to use his words is getting killed with a post hole digger (laughs) yes and that happens to one of them doesn't happen to both of them (laughs) it does happen to one of them he gets his heart ripped out and that's fucked (laughs) and like and then he sets it gently in his hand using the post hole digger yes which is pretty glorious and then i wrote down 95 percent of all whores know their whores can't remember what that was in oh yeah 
yeah, that was, they were talking about Kelly being a virgin. And I think the cameraman was the one who said it because they were basically saying how she's not a virgin, but does she know she's a whore? You know, like, and the guy's like 95% of all whores know they're whores. Did someone say, where are you getting that statistic? I feel like someone said that. They're like, okay, now we just got to get out of the house. We got to get out of the house. One of the guys is like, he didn't see you at the window, did he? And she's like, yeah, no, hit Taylor. One of the camera guys says to Taylor, like, he didn't see you because, oh, also Kelly fucking oh kelly tries to get out of the room and she smashes the window on the second floor of course and dives out of it and is dead on the ground and that's the point at which everybody freaks out because they all look out the window after her and there's leslie standing over the body looking up at them also the the two dead people that were supposed to be in the bed upstairs are in the van now yeah but they they don't find that out until they all get out to the van that would that that happened right before kelly falls out of the fucking thing i have that written down and I don't know. I think they run to the van and then they're like, oh, fuck. And then they run back upstairs and then she falls because she's freaking out. Oh, okay. I must have gotten the yeah. order mixed up. Me on too. That. I thought they went to the van after Kelly fell out the window. The problem with this whole sequence is this sequence is the specific sequence I was referring to when I said that the director didn't know and the actors did like the director didn't know how to tell the actors and the actors didn't know what to do with their bodies. So everything feels like they're just standing around saying these lines, but they should be moving when they say them you know like all of this stuff should be happening to moving people and it all feels very stilted because again pretty much everybody everybody except for taylor is a bad actor uh this is yeah this is his very first movie so naturally naturally some things are going to be pretty imperfect i wonder if the truth below is any better i don't know but i mean i understand that a lot of it is due to budget constraints so i will give the director the benefit the benefit of the doubt on that and say that it may have been just because they had to get so much shit done in a single night, you know, like the, the shooting schedule was so stacked that they and didn't have time that. Yeah, fuck. to do a lot of intricate choreography because it, that's what these scenes needed. They needed choreography. They needed camera motion as well as actor motion. Yeah, I imagine there wasn't a whole lot of time for all that shit. That leads us in after Kelly dies and falls out the window. Well, falls out the window and then dies, I guess that would make more sense. The fat camera guy, he's going to lure Leslie away. I don't away, fucking so. remember which one he is. Is uh, it Doug? Is it Todd? Is it Shane? Is it Lauren? I don't fucking know. How the fuck do you remember Shane and Lauren? I'm look. I have the cast list in front of me. Okay, it's Todd. So Todd, he's the fat camera guy, and he's he wants to lure Leslie away from the rest of the group, and he yells funny things like "Chase the doughboy." Oh yeah, that's right. Because at this, oh well, okay, we're we're we've moved past the point where Kelly falls out the window. Well, where where they they find the dead bodies in the van, and it turns out Leslie disabled their van as well because he knew he knew this whole thing was going to happen before it ever got started and so the van has been disabled the bodies are in the van they all go back inside and then kelly falls out and then they come to the conclusion and that's did we kind of breeze past that that Taylor is actually the survivor. Girl. Not quite yet. They don't get it quite yet. Right after Doug bites the dust here, which is a pretty dramatic and kind of sad scene a little bit. I thought it was way before that because nope, in the, in the note, Doug- is, my note is right after that, right oh. after. And I, t- I take notes to keep myself on track and it only works half the time. Okay. <laughs> I still, I, I know you write. I know that's your process, but I still somehow feel like you're wrong on this one. Like my memory, my memory is just denying that you can be right even though we rarely trust your memory at this point exactly my memory is horribly unreliable and you have been doing this for four years the same way pretty much so don't tell people that because then it makes it sound like we really suck at this (laughs) 
Okay, you could just bleep that. <laughs> Been doing it for, for beep years. Years. <laughs> so Leslie catches Doug. He's got him pinned down, and Doug is like, "Take off your mask. Show me your face. I want to see your face." And he knocks off the mask, and then they're they're looking at each other. And he's like, "Dude, it's Doug. Come on, man. It's Doug." And Leslie is. Or Todd. Fully sorry. in. Leslie is fully in psycho killer mode now. Uh, yeah. Like there's no sympathy. There's no hesitation. And this is where I learned. This is where I realized that the mask was super creepy because he's like choking him and we just see his eyes and they're emotionless. And that fucking mask is so creepy. And we don't see exactly what he does. I think he breaks his neck. And then they make their way into the barn. The, the rest of the surviving idiots. That's when Taylor comes to the realization kind of with everybody else's help. Actually, this the slutty girls help <laughs> oh that happens in the barn loft yeah that's right see i thought it happened upstairs in the house no no it happens yeah and she's like oh, it's actually you you're you're the final girl or whatever and she's like oh fuck it is me and she's like please i don't want to die as the slut oh yeah what happens to me i don't want to die and then of course doc has to come into the barn and doug knocks him out because he doesn't know who the fuck he is oh well they hear somebody coming and so doug grabs a shovel yes thank you and then shovels doc halloran to the back of the head my brain has shut down so then lauren lauren is the slutty girl who is wearing like little children's underwear under her dress it's really weird i don't like it it kind of bothers me and they do a straight up the cooter shot of her climbing into the uh, climbing into the barn loft yeah and just like not subtle at all this is not the greatest like slasher finale that you've ever seen which is funny because because all those friday the 13th movies no matter how shitty they got the final chase was always rock solid yeah it was always pretty good even in even in the shittiest one the fifth one and this movie good. is so good otherwise and then the final chase is just like stilted and trips yeah. over itself it's and, a little uninspired not super great and then you e- we even get that confrontation between doc halloran and leslie and it it's nothing yeah it feels like a throwaway like they only had yeah. rob robert england for like five minutes that day and he's like let's get this shit done <laughs> something like that i don't know man but it's it, it's a real bummer how disjointed this whole final chase feels i gotta go be in hatchet and jack brooks monster slayer come on anchor bay is paying me a little bit of money for these fucking movies that's right he was in jack brooks monster slayer like the same year wasn't he yeah all those movies came out around the same time it's real weird i forgot he was in hatchet too yeah he's just at the beginning i think one of the yeah it's just like a cameo yeah long enough to get killed so lauren and her boyfriend they fucking bite the dust the boyfriend gets hanged which is pretty fucked up like him and him and leslie kind of fall down but leslie has a rope wrapped around the dude's neck so and and like you hear that fucking sound is like yeah it's kind of jason style yeah uh and leslie falls onto the ground and they think he's out but of course he's not because he's already told them that you know he's a tough guy we we know yeah and he's and he's good at playing dead i said doc shows up just in time to essentially save taylor as uh leslie gets up and that's where doug gets taken out in pretty ridiculous fashion he's like blocking leslie's way and that's when he says i i love her and then he just gets his yeah hands, he said no he, he says i love her you're gonna have yeah. to go through me and he does and les is like fine and then he just slams doug's head into the wall and that's it and it's like dead question mark it's one of those J- jason movies always have those too they're always like is that that guy's dead right but no he's not because he comes back in a minute taylor makes her way to the tool shed she finds todd's body poor poor camera guy i kept on calling him doug but his name is todd fuck me doug is the guy who 
just got knocked out. She grabs the axe, which she knows is sabotage, so I don't know exactly why she decided to grab that. No, she grabs a different axe, and she, she goes all the way to the back of the tool shed to grab it. Still doesn't seem to matter, because she goes into the apple orchard, the birth canal. She's she's being born right now. And we get a little chase between her and Leslie, of course, because you gotta have that. And she gets him with the fucking swing, So that, but that's why I think the axe is the sabotage one, because she gets him and the the head is broken off no it's absolutely a sabotaged one but that was leslie setting her up he told her i sabotaged all these ones right at the front of the thing and then he outlines each one of them but this axe that she grabbed was all the way in the back of the shed but he sabotaged that one too and that's why he sabotaged that one because he knew after he told her that that she would go all the way to the back of the shed but she'd still go for a you know what looked like a reliable weapon am i just dumb am i just dumb should i just quit should i just quit right now should i just fucking no i'm not gonna yep that's it that's it that's the end of sharks across (laughs) hollywood goodbye everybody until next week (laughs) fuck you guys we're done Um, we're done fuck the ending of this movie (laughs) fuck all of you Uh, the axe doesn't do much. It like knocks him down for a minute, but of course. I mean, it looks like it hurts. Yeah, maybe, maybe a little. But he's said before that he was wearing a bulletproof vest. Yes, so, so I'm imagining probably broken ribs and shit. So they make and she hits way. him in the side. Doesn't she? She goes to like hit him with the fucking thing, doesn't she? Like the handle. No, she she picks up the handle, and then it looks like maybe she's thinking of going back and like beating on him with it. But by that time, he's gone. Oh, that's right. See, God damn it, we haven't done this in like in in a whole two. Weeks weeks and my brain is fried let's finish this up because i know because we're, we're getting to something uh, we're not really getting to anything we're getting to the end of this fucking thing is what we're getting to let's bring it home let's she makes it through the orchard and she goes into the cider house leslie goes in but ooh, is taylor in there no she's not in there but she's definitely in there but she's like playing fucking games with him because as the survivor girl she's the only one she has like some mythical powers that seriously it's there's got to be a cult there's got to be some weird cloaked figures standing around fucking imbuing her with weird powers powers or something maybe that's what halloran maybe that's halloran's secret is that he's aware of the cult he's aware of their influence on leslie and he's trying to break the cult's programming i'm down that is the sequel fuck all this other shit no, that's not a sequel. That's a spinoff. Given how it ends. All right, let's get yeah. to how it ends. Anyways, so Leslie ends up on top of Taylor choking her, but she manages to get the hand scythe that's kind of in the back of his overalls. And she... Yeah, it's like tucked into his back pocket. Yeah, she stabs him with it and then manages to get his head into the fucking cider press. And she like spins the thing and he's locked in there and he's already like, that sounds... Fu- oh, man. So his head's going to get crushed here in a second. And he he sells it pretty well. He does those tiny gasping breaths as blood's coming out of his mouth. And then he's like, I always knew you were the one. And then she cranks it one last time and screams. And then she literally. Which is clearly a metaphor for birth. (laughs) More of that. Yes. And, you know, she literally burns it down. Yeah. She pours gas all over the cider press and all over everything. But uh, that's why Leslie mixed the flame retardant in with his preparation H. Because he just assumed that she was going to burn down the cider house. Maybe it was his plan all along. And hey, guess what? Just in case. Doug and the doc are still alive for. For some reason. I mean, he left the gas can in the cider house. He did leave. He the must gas have known it was a possibility. Yeah. Doug and Doc, Doc Halloran are still alive. And I don't know why either of them have to make it through this. Yeah, I would have been perfectly fine if Doug had died. And honestly, Doc Halloran didn't do enough to justify his existence for me to give a shit. <laughs> uh, even though, like I said, Robert England is very good in this movie. The character is not. Robert England's fucking great in everything. Have you ever seen the movie The Paper Brigade? Robert England is in that. 
that, and he's awesome in that, too. I've never even heard of The Paper Brigade. I don't know if it's a Disney movie, but it's one of those movies that showed on Disney, and it's about a kid who becomes a paper boy in a new town that he moves to, and then there's bullies, and Robert England plays this old military guy who hates kids being on his property, but then he turns them around, and, and they become friends. So it's a Clint Eastwood movie. Yes, only with little kids in it and newspapers instead of guns. Cool. Yeah, it's really dumb, and I haven't watched it. Speaking in a long of time. cool things, let's bring this shit home. So as they're standing there. <laughs> As they're standing there watching this fucking building burn, I think it's Doug, or, yeah, Doug, he asks, he's like, is he? And Taylor's like, I don't know, I don't know what he is. And then Robert England goes, he's just a man, which is fun. So the credits, so that's that's it for the, the main bulk of the movie here. So we get a credit scene. But what about the skull of the movie? Yeah, exactly. We're, we're getting to the skull of the movie. Now we're getting to, like, the, the crusty butthole of the movie. <laughs> Even though I like this scene. It's a uh, CTV footage, right? CCTV. CCTV, thank you, of the guy in the morgue just kind of walking around getting stuff prepped. And I assume he's going to perform an autopsy on Leslie. And it that certainly is the implication. That song Psycho Killer, which is fucking awesome. I really like that song. Love that song. Plays over the whole credits. And he pulls Leslie's bed out and he's just laying there. And then right at the end, he fucking pops up. And you can assume that he's probably going to kill that guy and run away. The end. Yeah, the movie's officially over. And I am sad. No, I'm not. I'm glad it's over. I'm not. Fuck this movie. I, not really. I, I like, thoroughly I like enjoyed it. This, this movie's really good. And you should fucking watch it. Especially if you're a fan of Scream. If you're a fan of the first Scream, I don't know. I watched watched two and three and they're fucking not great i liked two but fucking hated three so final thoughts on behind the mask the story the rise the rise of leslie vernon fuck you almost made it through without doing it my final thoughts are this movie really should be seen by more people i if you're a horror fan at least like fucking get on it watch this movie buy this movie throw some support behind this movie because it's a damn good movie and it deserved more support from the community unity than it got yeah please watch it please watch it and then i don't know man it's been too long so we're never gonna get a sequel but at least give this movie a little love because it's pretty fucking good it is this belongs in every true horror fans collection and i have the fancy one the collector's edition from shout factory scream factory yes i got that one too i even got it with the sweet slip cover it's oh a really me nice too yes cover. it's very nice because you never know you never know when you come in late in the game because i only got it recently like i only got it like a month ago or something so when it's been out for that long, you never know if they're out of slip covers yet. So, but given the audience that this movie apparently has, no risk there because nobody's buying this fucking movie, even though it's awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a little weird because I it wasn't it sold out on the website for a minute, but whatever. And then I got it, and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't know what the hell was going on there, but like I tried to buy it at one point, and it said that it was sold out, and then you bought it like literally five minutes later or something, didn't you? <laughs> I think so. Oh, yeah i remember having that conversation i'm like well i i got it the fuck's wrong with you or maybe you bought it right before me i don't fucking know maybe i'm maybe i just had an aneurysm and i thought it was sold out i don't fucking know <laughs> but i know i tried to buy it and somehow failed to and didn't end up doing it until months later but we both have it now and i'm really glad we do because that cover art is fucking awesome and if you flip up if you flip over the insert you can have the original dvd cover also that's what i do because i have the sweet slip cover with the new cover art i have my insert showing the original cover art so i that's get kind of fun best of both worlds so i think that does it man so uh what do you over. think they should do if they want to learn more about us they should call me just call me baby. all right give them your 
number. 555-5555. on that. Anyways, um, <laughs> you, you can follow us on some social media at the Shark Pod. And hey, there's also that whole Patreon thing that we're doing, uh, 2021 the 13th, where we're reviewing every Friday the 13th movie, which are, you know, at this point, no longer Friday the 13th movies because rights issues and stuff. But they're still Jason movies and they still count, so fuck you. This month is going to be Jason X, and it may or may not be out by the time you hear this episode. But it'll be out by the end of the month. You can hear us talk about that shit on our Patreon at patreon.com slash Sharks Across Hollywood. If you donate at any level, it doesn't fucking matter. You, you'll you be able to hear all that stuff. And next year, we'll have something something else cooking for you. So don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it up. Just give us a dollar. I don't give a shit. You know what? Don't make it easy on me. Give us $50. $50 million. Just give yes. us $50 million. There we go. I uh, tell you what, you you give us $50 million lifetime subscription. You don't need to you don't need to re-up the $50 million. That's a one time. You can do that just one time. We will personally send you the new episodes. Yeah, I'll do that. I will go to your house. I'll open the door. I'll come into your bedroom. And I won't do that because that's super fucking creepy. Never mind. <laughs> You took it too far, goddammit. We had them in the palm of our hand and you ran them off. The people that are still listening probably are into that kind of shit, so they'd like it. (laughs) We'll be back next week. It's going to be the final week of Halloween, so you know what that means. We're going to talk about Halloween 4, the fucking return of Michael Myers. I don't know if I'm excited about it I'm probably more excited about this than than I should be. You know what? It's probably going to be fine. Michael Myers, I feel like, has been treated treated pretty well over the course. It gets kind of stupid. I know it gets kind of stupid. Paul Rudd's in one of these movies. I don't fucking know. We won't get to that well, one until a couple years from now, though, I think. I'm very curious, <laughs> and I'm very excited to see Halloween for the return of Michael Myers. Me too. I'm I'm very excited. We'll see you next week with that shit. But until then, stay jawsome. <laughs>